Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes here today to talk about rookie minicamp, which took place last weekend. It was uh, our first chance, the Packers coach's first chance to see this rookie class, particularly the nine draft picks um, in uniform, going through some drills out there on Clark Hinkle Field. What were your first impressions? Anything that uh, you walked away from those two days of practice thinking about? TJ Slayton is a massive human being. <laughs> that was the first thing. Uh, Amari Rogers, man, I saw it. Uh, I, again, we have a long way to go to yeah. see what kind of pro Amari Rogers is going to be. But it's funny, you, you go through this too. When you do these stories on guys after the draft, you talk to some of their position coaches or a parent or a sibling – you get a feel for who they are as a person, but you also get a feel for who they are as a player. And it's one thing to look at a biography or to look at a, an NFL.com scouting report for a draft pick and see five foot nine, 212 pounds and, and try to make sense of all these different measurables and times and, and backgrounds. But when you watch him on the practice field, you understand why he's a third-round pick. You understand why this is a guy the Packers traded up to, to secure. It's, you know, the 40 time, 4.51 or whatever it was, Tyler Grisham swears he's a 4-4 guy. You saw the explosiveness. You saw how when you're that, when you're that size, Mike, you got to be able to, to catch the ball naturally with your hands. you got to keep it away from your body. He did all that. It wasn't without flaw. I mean, there was a drop during one of the, the passing drills from the receivers to the yeah. quarterbacks, but I, I just I was really intrigued by it. Maybe it's because we haven't seen a, a rookie draft pick in one of these things in three years, but I, I just for me, that was the guy I had my eye on. I don't think he disappointed. Yeah, I think there were definitely a few of the guys that came in as, uh, as advertised, I guess I would say, because – when we first got a look at Eric Stokes going through drills and whatnot, um, his speed, his foot speed is obvious. Like yeah. it, it, it shows up immediately. And uh, sure, it's not going to show up maybe quite as much when he's on the same field as Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage and these other really fast right. guys the Packers have on defense. But in a rookie minicamp setting, that's why this guy was a first-round pick because, exactly. because his speed um, you know, jumps off the, uh, the field at you. Um, Amari Rogers, I would also say, very much as advertised. We heard a lot about his build. I didn't w watch a lot of the college film on Amari Rogers. I wasn't really that familiar with him. But then to see him live and in person, it, you know, the the build is exactly what he was described as. And then when you see the fluidity of the yes. moves, of how he how he uses that frame and the uh, the shiftiness combined with you know some legitimate quickness and speed there and then uh as you said right from the top tj slayton holy cow my goodness is that a large man i mean wow you know we're around we're around big guys all the time right but it's it's one of those things where when when these are rookies and these are young guys and you know that they aren't necessarily I mean, we've we've seen what David Bakhtiari has become from when he was here in 2013 as a fourth round yes. rookie to the to the man, the human, the player that he is now. We've seen Kenny Clark, you know, the same way. When you see a rookie that looks like T.J. Slayton looks, uh, it it kind of takes your breath away in a sense because you're just like, wow, like you wonder like what 
you know, is there more room for growth or what exactly is his body going to look like two or three or four years down the road? So those are the kinds of, uh, those are the kinds of things that certainly jump out at me. And getting back to Amari Rogers for a second, you talked about, you know, the, the natural hands and whatnot. We saw him, um, not in a full punt return drill, but we saw him catching punts in, uh, in a couple of different periods. And, um, that certainly looks natural. He looks like he's been catching wobbly, funny-looking, you know, spheroids, you know, hurtling through the air. Looks like he's been doing that since he was about six years old, quite frankly, because it just it it looked easy for him. And we've seen plenty of situations with punt returners back there where it doesn't always look so easy, and and that definitely stood out to me as yeah, well. Yeah, you kind of held your breath at times, and and there's a difference between watching a series of players receivers, running backs, defensive backs, try to go back and field punts. And there is a difference between seeing a guy who has done it at the highest level of college football for three years, has done it going back to high school. Uh, I, I just, it was, it's like, it's like being in, no disrespect teachers, but like, it's like being in like a, a middle school room, right? And, and watching a, a history teacher explain to students, you know, okay, George Washington and John Adams, and then going and being in, you know, a, a graduate school level college course. I mean, it's just, it, you, you just felt like you're in a different room yeah. when you're watching him yeah. play the ball. And, and the other thing about him too, he has a low center of gravity. And it just, and again, five foot nine, that might be some, you know, it's going to be tough to be a first round pick at five foot nine at his position. Yeah. But if you watch the way he moves, and just how deceptive he is with his speed and his burst. And you can understand why this guy is going to be effective on jet motions because he has the Tyler Irvin type body with 30 more pounds of muscle on it. Uh, you can understand why he's going to be effective in the slot. He, there's just so many different aspects of him to like. But the one thing I wrote in Insider Inbox is I'm not saying you have to chalk him down for a thousand all purpose yards or, you know, 10 touchdowns as a rookie. But Mike, you saw Randall Cobb in 2011. I'm not saying he has to be Randall Cobb out of the gate, but you've seen how guys with his skill set and his penchant for being able to handle special teams, how that guy could come in year one and make an impact with this roster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quickly here, Wes, a little bit of sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. All right, well, one-third of the Packers draft class, three of the nine selections were on the offensive line. Now, I will admit, because most of the time the offensive linemen were doing drills all the way across the field from where we were standing, I'm not going to sit here and say I saw all kinds of things going on. Well, I saw everything. I have a scouting report on every guy. I can tell you that. What I was going to to say is that even though I didn't, didn't, don't really have a whole lot to say here with regard to Josh Myers, Cole Van Lannan, and Royce Newman. I did see Royce Newman's hair from yeah. all the way across <laughs> the field. Um, sorry, I just had to throw that in there. Yeah. But, uh, but no, the Packers drafted, drafted three offensive linemen. Um, certainly, uh, certainly size-wise, they all look like they belong. And uh, as you know, we've talked about this before. Uh, we're going to see these guys through OTAs and everything like that. But until those pads go on in training camp and you start seeing these young offensive linemen, you know, banging it around with veteran defensive linemen, handling their yeah. one-on-ones 
uh, you know, the one-on-one -on -one pass rush, pass protection drill, those kinds of things. We won't really get much of a sense of, of the offensive linemen. But certainly from a size perspective, you can see how they fit the type of lineman that Green Bay likes to bring in here. No question. Didn't mean to step on your voice either no, with that, that punchline. That's, okay. that's a good one. Uh, here's the one thing I did notice. You and I covered Scott Wells, Jeff Saturday, Evan Smith, Corey Lindsley was an upgrade in terms of size of those centers, was a bigger guy. Then you see Josh Myers. And while I'm guessing him and Corey are probably right around the same weight, Josh is, you know, two inches taller. Yeah. Uh, now, again, nobody's anointing him the starting center. He's going to have to work for it. Packers, they have the thing about how versatile and how deep they are, that starting offensive line could basically take any form they wanted to. I don't know if going into training camp, absent of David Bakhtiari, who's still coming back from the ACL, I don't know if you can pencil anybody in at a specific spot. That being said, if Josh Myers does win the center job, it's going to give them their biggest asset they've really had at that position in decades. When you look at where he was drafted the size of that position and just his kind of legacy and pedigree. And what I like about it is that's kind of the way the league is trended. You know, I even asked him that on Friday, you know, when you look at your size and your makeup, what allows you to sort of succeed at that level? Because six foot five, you would think, you know, smaller, powerful defensive tackles are going to be able to get up over the shoulders on him. And as Meyer said, he's like, you know, I've just, my athleticism, my footwork and my ability to get low that is what is what enabled him to stay at that spot. He likes center. He embraces center. And Mike, if that's the way that this whole deck would shuffle out, that is a body type that they've never had at that position, at least as long as I can remember. Yeah, we're certainly seeing a, a bit of a change in that direction. And it's and as we talked about uh, on a previous show, not just with the Packers drafting Josh Myers, but we've seen it around the league that that uh, you know these guys who are six foot four, six foot five playing center, it's not as rare. Uh, as it used to be, it's starting to become a little more common. Yeah, and I just remember how like crazy people thought Seattle was when they moved Justin Britt there. That yeah, was a big storyline yeah. when you had a six foot five center, and now yeah, that's that's the way these things go. If you have a quarterback that meets some of those those you know things of either being over that six two range or being able to escape the pocket, it opens up some options for you there, and that's probably why you've seen over the last twenty five years those rules and regulations kind of change a little bit on the offensive line. Yeah. Another interesting element we got uh, kind of a close-up look at because the running backs were doing their drills on our side of the field, yeah. you know, where, where we were stationed uh, with the rest of the media. Kylan Hill, the seventh-round pick from Mississippi State in the mix, but also um, because rookie minicamps allow for – Certain players, if you if you don't have enough service time on on a 53-man roster, et cetera, you can still participate in a rookie minicamp even though you're not yeah. technically a rookie anymore. And that actually allowed both Mike Weber and Patrick Taylor, two running backs the Packers are bringing back from last year, to participate in the rookie minicamp. So suddenly there. As far as the running backs were concerned, you had you have three of the four guys. Dexter Williams was the one who was not there, but three of the four guys who were going to be competing for the number three running back job behind Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Um, and it was interesting. I guess I would say, you know, 
no two running backs are ever exactly alike, right? There are definitely definitely some some different body types, and I think as we get into training camp, we'll see what some of the strengths and weaknesses are with regard to these players. But one thing that stood out to me from the two practices over the weekend is all three of those guys, Taylor, Weber, and Hill, all showed some hands in terms yeah. of catching passes out of the backfield, and not just not just making the routine one, but making some tough catches on some throws that maybe were a little bit you know to the sideline this way or maybe a little high. They were snagging those and 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 bringing those in. It was actually it was actually a pretty pretty impressive set of drills uh, for a while there. Yeah, you're absolutely right on that. It, this time of the year, rookie minicamp, a lot of it is just trying to get acclimated, trying to get these guys up to speed, so when they bring the vets back in. They don't have to skip a beat. They don't have to take you know, time to, to show these guys what's expected. They know it. But occasionally in these summer practices, you see the competition begin. And in this case, I thought that was really true with running back. Uh, we don't get to talk to them. Uh, we did talk to Kylan Hill on Saturday, but you definitely got the feel. Like, you know, what, those guys are running routes out of the backfield. You know, you saw Kylan Hill and Mike Weber both really extend to, to catch passes that maybe weren't right where they were supposed to be. Yeah. Because that was what the expectation was, and they want to show that they can handle it. A guy like Patrick Taylor, Mike, he's a guy I've been very high on since the beginning. Not trying to pat myself on the back, but anybody would tell you this. I mean, six foot two, 217 pounds, almost kind of reminds you of a little bit thicker James Starks yeah. in that way. Yeah, I and would a agree. guy that was really going to be the bell cow – it, well, at least it looked that way for Memphis going into his last year there. He has, I believe it was the list Frank injury, the foot injury, and then it kind of wipes him out for most of that season and causes him to miss his rookie season in Green Bay. But the Packers knew that when they signed him as an undrafted yeah. free agent. They wanted him in the fold. He was around all last year on PUP. He practiced a little bit at the end of last season. I- I'm really excited about watching this running back battle happen because you have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. You have the H-back types that will help with some of the blocking. But Matt LaFleur has said it. He wants three options back there. And then Wells, Hill, and Taylor, and then also throwing Dexter back into that equation once they get back to OTAs, you have four different types of running backs to choose from there. And it's kind of up to the Packers to pick their own adventure. Yeah, I think this is going to this this number three running back competition is going to be really interesting. And I know we mentioned before, a lot of it will probably come down to the preseason games as these guys get, you know, get carries. They're not necessarily running scripted plays like they yeah. are in practice. You get to see, okay, how quickly can they hit the hole? How how can they can they break tackles, you know, make guys miss? What do they look like in that live action in the preseason games? But the one thing that I think is going to be watched really, really closely in practice uh, this summer as opposed to the preseason games we may not see as much is the pass protection. Because in the preseason games, now maybe Robert Sala, as a good friend of Matt LaFleur, when his Jets are playing the Packers in the preseason, he'll dial up some blitzes there to test the young running backs. But that doesn't happen very often in preseason games, right? So the blitz pickup drills and in the 11-on-11 in training camp, that's where these young running backs are going to be put to the test in terms of in terms of the pass protection and will and we will see potentially some separation there. You think back to 2017 with the three running backs the Packers were, had drafted, they had the three rookies there, Williams, Jones, and Devonte Mays. We saw Jamal Williams separate himself immediately because he was a step ahead in the pass protection yeah. part of it right from the beginning as a young player. Aaron Jones has certainly more than caught up in that respect over the last few years. 
but that's I think something we're going to be watching closely come August as uh, as the pass protection drills take place out there uh, in training camp. Yeah, and you saw last year, Mike. I mean, when the you know injuries hit, and then unfortunately the COVID issue flared up with both you know AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams being a close contact had to go on that that list and miss a game. That that originally meant that it was going to have to be Dexter Williams, and then they had to make some shifts and things of that nature. But you never know when your number is going to get called, and that's why it matters. But Kylan Hill, uh, I'm really excited to see him try to get his career back going here. He obviously had that tremendous uh, season uh, two years ago. Yeah, he opts out after three games after Mike Leach takes over. So he's sort of an unknown commodity in some regards, despite being a former All SEC running back. So uh, again. You talk about storylines in training camp and preseason games. Running back's always one of them because it's the most easy to point to. It's the most easy to the naked eye to be able to look and understand and see who could potentially separate themselves. And in this particular case, this is one of the more captivating battles that we're probably going to see at that position in some time. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else from Rookie Weekend you want to touch on here before we sign off for the day? Yeah, I mean, you you know, the Packers were in an interesting spot. Uh, They had up to five trial players that they could have brought in. They only chose to use three of those. Uh, Certainly the COVID things changed it. The Packers went from 2019 having 49 players at that rookie orientation camp. Surprisingly, Alan Lazard was one of them. It just shows you how fast time moves considering the role that he's carved out for himself. To this year, they, you know, could only use 28. So how did they use those spots? Well, with only having two quarterbacks on the roster, at least that were eligible going into the weekend, That meant that they had to bring in some tryout players. So Chad Kelly, former seventh-round pick, had an opportunity. And Kirk Benkert, Kurt Benkert, i got to make sure I get that right, uh, was the other tryout guy, spent three seasons with Atlanta, and then also Elvin Jones Jr., Aaron's twin brother at linebacker, was also brought in. And Benkert was the one that ended up getting the job, the 90th spot on the roster. So a guy that, as I mentioned, had been developed for three years with the Falcons. The Falcons thought enough of him to keep him around, Played two seasons at UVA, was very successful there, very productive. So excited to see what he brings to this competition. But with Blake Bortles, four quarterbacks on the roster, uh, it's going to be an interesting summer as we get into uh, the height of the offseason program. Yeah, and we will get our first look at Blake Bortles in a Packer uniform next week when OTAs begin. I believe we're going to get to watch maybe one practice a week, and uh, and you know we'll see what see what we see at the quarterback position. Any there. predictions on the numbers yet? <sighs> Bortles has only worn number five, and as we know here, it's unofficially retired, so very That's curious right. to see which one he picks. Can't pick 15 either. No, can't so, have that one. Yeah. I, I've never been a big numbers guy, but in this particular case, especially <laughs> with eight already being taken by Amari Rogers. Yeah, with Amari Rogers taking number eight. It's, so. uh, I'll have my eye on that one. All right. Sounds good. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.